Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle East Matters on France 24. Here's what's coming up in today's show. As protests grow in Iran, artists throw their weight behind those in the streets. We meet a Turkish cartoonist and author to hear how freedom of expression is being challenged under President Erdogan's rule. And we head to Beirut to check out a new exhibition in one of the city's most famous civil war buildings. We're beginning, though, in Iran, where the largest protests in years are showing no sign of abating. They were triggered by the death of a young woman in police custody who was arrested for allegedly wearing her hijab incorrectly. Nights of unrest have followed and dozens of protesters have been killed. Now, those in the streets are increasingly gaining international support, not least from Iranian artists living abroad, as Alison Sargent now reports. This is Asghar Farhadi, the filmmaker. A call for solidarity from one of Iran's most celebrated directors. As protests continue, the Oscar-winning filmmaker behind a separation and the salesman posted this video to social media. I invite all artists, filmmakers, intellectuals, civil rights activists from all over the world and all countries, everyone who believes human dignity and freedom to stand in solidarity with the powerful and brave women and men of Iran. Other independent Iranian filmmakers published an open letter, calling on every filmmaker in the world to support the protests and further echo the rallying cries of Iranians for freedom. Meanwhile, actress Nazanin Boniadi, who's recently been in the spotlight for her role in the Rings of Power, listed ways to help Iranian protesters. Two, organize demonstrations outside the Iranian embassy of your country if there is one, or the city square if there isn't, and let the Iranian government know that their human rights violations will not go unpunished by the international community. Iranian filmmakers are particularly sensitive to the demands of protesters since they themselves have been under increasing pressure from Iran's ultra-conservative government. A crackdown in May and July saw a number of prominent Iranian directors imprisoned, including Mohammad Rasulov and Jafar Panahi. Now from Iran, we head to Turkey to hear about how the political climate there is affecting artists. Our guest today is Ersin Karabulut. He is one of the country's most famous cartoonists and his new autobiographical comic strip, The Anxious Diary of Istanbul, has just been published here in France. He joins us now from Istanbul. Thanks for speaking to us on France 24 today, sir. Um, let's start then with your new uh, autobiographical comic, it starts in your childhood and it really mixes the personal and the political. It weaves your story as a child growing up in quite a poor neighbourhood of Istanbul with the restrictions that are increasing in Turkey on press freedom. Why did you decide to use cartoons and comic strips to tell both of those stories? Uh, that's the job I can do best and just uh, telling stories by drawings. And um, I have been doing autobiographic stories for almost 20 years now. I started in 2002, and, but I, they were all published in several magazines and they were short comics, weekly stories. So I always wanted to uh, make it more like a graphic novelish format. And um, so I, I knew that language and I wanted to tell the story to the outside, to 
um, especially European audi audience, because when I started being published in France in 2016, uh, they were always asking me how it is to be a cartoonist in Turkey, what's the climate there, atmosphere is changing, because they don't know much about Turkey, they only know from the news. So I decided to tell the real story and what happened here. And one of the stories that you share in this book is of a colleague of yours at that magazine you mentioned who had drawn a picture of President Erdogan as a cat. Uh, they were sued, but nonetheless, you all yeah. continued to work. And in the next issue of the magazine, you drew pictures of Erdogan's ministers as animals as well. Can you tell us a bit about what happened there and the risks you faced uh, doing that kind of work? There's an old tradition in Turkey about this magazine tradition. It's 150 years, and there used to be huge sales in 80s. Gurgur magazine was selling 400,000 copies a week, so it's, it was a big deal. And these magazines are usually political. They have satire pages. They have normal articles and comics as well, but mostly uh, about daily stuff and like politics and politicians. They're always against uh, the powerful. So Penguin was the last chain of that uh, tradition and our editors decided to help and uh, defend Musa Kart who drew Erdogan as a cat. And um, that uh, cartoon said nothing. I, I mean, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't, they were not mad about the joke itself, but Erdogan was mad about being drawn as a cat. So that's how, how he sees. So the reaction was drawing him as several animals. Um, I didn't contribute to it, and this is the story I told in the book, but I'm honored that I used to be working in a magazine who does that uh, thing. It required their courage. And that whole saga was several years ago now. I wonder in that time, what's changed in Turkey? Would it still be possible today, for example, to caricature President Erdogan in that way uh, without getting into trouble with the authorities? Uh, I think we cannot draw him as animals anymore. You know, uh, it would be really difficult. I know this because uh, my new book, uh, there, there are some Turkish publishers who are interested in um, publishing it in Turkish, but apparently their lawyers said it's too risky to publish it just because of that Penguin magazine cover with the animal uh, Erdogan's. So I don't think it's possible now, but we still go, go on uh, publishing a weekly magazine, uh, which we co-founded in 2017, Wikusus. Um, so we are still trying to do our best about um, criticizing the powerful, but we always uh, think twice. It's not easy to decide um, on those covers. Has all of this ever made you consider leaving Turkey? Do you feel that you're able to freely work now in the country? I am free right now. I, uh, there's nothing against me or a case personally against me. Uh, but of course, I'm scared like, like uh, most of young people of Turkey. They are, when they get together, the only thing they talk is usually um, how to leave the country and move abroad. So it's, it's sad to see this. 
I, uh, of course, considered doing it as well. I went to United States for a while, but I went, uh, I came back. Uh, I don't know if I need to move, uh, hopefully not for this book, but maybe um, for a better feature, I might need to rest in somewhere because it uh, takes your energy to deal with all this in Turkey. So sometimes I, I do consider leaving. Ayrsen Karabulut, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks very much indeed. In other news, the well-known and controversial cleric Yusuf al-Qaradawi has died this week at the age of 96. He was seen as a spiritual leader of the Muslim Brotherhood and in 2015 was sentenced to death in absentia in his native Egypt for his role in the group. Karadawi lived in Qatar for many years and there he had a popular talk show on Al Jazeera called Sharia and Life, making him a familiar face in millions of Arab households. He used the platform to criticise Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State group from a religious perspective, but he himself was heavily criticised for supporting Palestinian suicide bombing during the Second Intifada. We end the programme in Beirut, where a new exhibition has opened its doors in one of the city's most iconic buildings. Beit Beirut was the home of a wealthy Lebanese family in the 1920s. Then it became a battleground for snipers during the Civil War. Now it is a museum of Lebanese history. This exhibit traces the country's so-called golden age in the 1960s to the present day through archive material, paintings and film. Catherine Khadir Clifford has been taking a look. Weaving together past and present in an interactive experience. Allo Beirut brings together Lebanese artists, journalists and researchers as they explore their relationship with their city. We want this space to belong to the Beirutis and it's the way we wanted the exhibition immersive, interactive, to feel you are in included on it. The exhibition was inspired by the archives of late billionaire John Prosper Gay Para, owner of the once famous Lake Abderoy nightclub, portrayed here by an actor. Archive materials from the years before Lebanon's civil war paint a picture of government corruption, strikes and student protests. So it begins with the archives and then opens up into a re-reading of the 1960s, looking at this golden age, but also understanding in a critical and analytical way what happened during this period that led up to a civil war in 1975. The curators also invited contemporary artists to produce work about their relationship with today's Beirut. Lebanon has been through several crises since the end of its 1975 to 1990 civil war. Most recently, one of the world's worst economic depressions, nationwide protests in 2019, and a chemical explosion at Beirut's port in 2020 that killed 220 people, wounded thousands, and displaced over 300,000. I feel that Beirut today is mourning. It's mourning the death of its people. Lots of people went back to their parents' homes as they don't have the means to rent their own place. So they're rediscovering the places they lived in when they were children. In spite of the sombre themes, a crowd danced and celebrated the opening of the exhibition at the historic Beit Beirut building, riddled with bullet holes and other civil war damage. Allo Beirut will be on display there until 2023. 
That's it for Middle East Matters this week. Thanks very much for watching and do stay tuned for more world news here on France 24. In 2021, the Burmese army brutally regained power after 10 years of democracy. Thousands of civilians were killed and imprisoned. The country itself cut off from the world. But resistance is growing. Dissidents in exile, rebel military leaders, deserters from the Burmese army in Karen territory or neighboring Thailand all share their fears and hopes for revenge in an exclusive report with clandestine networks. I want to fight Burmese soldiers. I want to kiss. Watch Reporters on France 24 and France24.com.